0: Hello, everybody. This is Inside Eye and we are at Coffee of Poets, and we are here on 11th and H Street. Um, we meet here every third Sunday at 5 o'clock, and each episode we bring on a new poet to discuss, or an old poet to discuss um, their work and poetry, and we like to get into the weeds of our poets and discover more about them and see where they're at right now in the poetry, in their own poetry journey. So right today we have here April Cochran and she goes by the name Girl Next Door. She is one of my uh, favorite poets here locally here in Sacramento. So how you doing April?
1: Good, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, thank you for being here. What? Brought you into? I guess it's a cliche por, uh, question. What brought you into poetry? What made you attracted to poetry as an art form?
1: Um, I've always been good in writing and grammar and that kind of thing through school. And then I I would like to say that probably it wasn't a time I wasn't really a poet. I always wrote. It was only probably within the after maybe the last ten years or so that I started sharing out ten loud. Years, Really? Yeah. It's okay. probably like twelve. Twelve years, yeah. Okay,
0: so when did you start writing? Do you remember what age you started
1: writing? As a child, I've always either whether it be a diary or or, was it about boys, all kinds of stuff. I always felt better expressing myself through writing. Okay, I felt it was better and easier to communicate that way.
0: Okay, so so what kind of childhood did you have? I mean, what was your I know you're a very athletic person. Yeah.
1: I had a good childhood. I have two twin brothers. They're twins, and I'm the youngest. They would say I was spoiled, but, you know. Um, (laughs) So you're the baby girl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had a good family. No Uh, complaints, yeah.
0: Okay, very good, very good.
1: Athletic, ran track, All-American in track and field. Okay. Um, Play basketball, Coach basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been able to... um, Balance education, sports, and work mm. from a young age. Do so.
0: do do your athletic part of your life seep into your poetry? Do you make a lot of athletic references or metaphors or? No. No, really. That's <laughs> no. That's very interesting. So mm-hmm. writing That's is a almost whole other like, other like a side. Yes, it's, it's, a, like it's a, it, another you side. you very department. You know, departmentalized. Yeah. Oh, from yeah. Your, oh, very, very different side. Very interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. <laughs> So, let's start out with a poem, and, and then we go from there. So, do you have a poem you would like to share with us? What you want to hear? Or coffee Girls, surprise me.
1: <laughs> it's uncensored, right?
0: Uncensored, uncensored.
1: Thinking, I would say one of the more popular poems I have is Rebel Yell, A Letter to My Hair. Mm. And I have dreadlocks, and it was just kind of an answer, an apology to my hair for all the things that I put it through. Um... And so it's called Rebel Yellow, Letter to My Hair. I'm sorry I wasn't compassionate and slow to see your vision. I did everything I could to downplay your radiance and voice. You told me in so many ways, on so many days, it's just too early for retouches. My new growth had no shame. You wanted to be free, unbound, and proud. You didn't want to be heated up and beat up until you lay flat and lifeless with no conversation. You were full of texture and thickness and wanted everyone to know that you couldn't be caged. I let people tell me I needed a better flat iron, an upgrade in hair products, or that new pressing comb when all you wanted was to be left alone, to shine in your own way. My hair warned me, keep it up and I'll split up shut off and not return. Perms retreated after only a week, fearing that sharp new growth betraying me between touch-ups, knowing I got at least another two weeks to go. I'll never forget that day my hair fought back. No one had ever seen anything like that. I began to wonder why I couldn't coax that one curl into falling just so. Or why that style in the magazine wasn't so exact on me. Why my hair seemed so unhappy. That nosy new growth always ruined close-crop styles trying to be noticed. It would always return more fiery than the past batch, a rebellious reminder of its voice. It urged me not to waste time on wishing for what I didn't naturally have. Stop pursuing straight perfection all the while leaving purple, black, and blue permanent scars of shaky hands and inattentive slips. It wanted to be greased and scratched from the roots. I'm so sorry I muffled your every attempt to speak to me with optimum Hawaiian silky and cream of nature. I was deaf to your screams. Can you ever forgive me?
0: Thank you. That was nice. That was Thank nice. You. So, um, <clears throat> when did you? If for for you guys out there that don't know, internet internet land. Um, April is sporting some locks <laughs> and and a very nice locks. So Thank when you. when did you lock, when did you start locking your hair?
1: I started locking my hair maybe eight or nine years ago, but I haven't had a perm in my hair maybe five or six years before that. Before that, I had like a curly afro or twist and something kind of kinky and short for a few years before I locked.
0: So when did you start? Right? I mean, when did you write that poem? Was it right after you started the lock process?
1: I would say it was in the beginning, somewhere in that transitional phase. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but it was, it was towards the beginning. Just kind of making peace with my hair and what okay. I was doing to it.
0: Okay, so what was the experience after you after you first got your hair locked? What was the what was well, the difference between some
1: of that is a true story in there because the last time post-locked. I did get a perm, um, my hair was not taking it, it seriously. Um, one side was starting to curl up when she was going to the other side, and it was already a, a super. So it started burning, and it just it really literally was rebelling. It would not go straight, and it was just a moment like why. Why am I just doing this in my hair? My hair does not like to be pressed and, and laid down. My hair has always been very thick, mm. and people would say hard to manage, but I mean, having locks, thickness is the advantage in being able to hold locks. Mm. So my, I mean, my hair literally has been happy ever since. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So your, your hair is, is smiling right now. Yes. I have
1: happy hair. Happy hair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good. Uh, okay, so um, uh, that was you have a wide range of poetry. You you yeah. go from, I've I've heard some poetry that are like that is a self acceptance por- mm-hmm. poetry, right? Then you have poetry that is more on the sensual side, mm-hmm. right? Then you have poetry that is that is I would say conspiracy theories mm-hmm. slash you know deep thought, yeah, right <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so what? What is your, and we already discussed that you have departmentalized your, is it everything that you have kept on that other side of yourself? Like you, you, got, you have your sports and everything in nature that you do, mm-hmm. your athletic side, and then you have your literate side, your creative side that mm-hmm. you have. So, so is it everything that's, that's over there? I mean, what else is over there? Because is, is, is the poetry that you write what you wish you were? Is it is it almost answering something inside of you that you wish you could to, wish you could display more of or is it just this is who I am and I'm trying to express that I would Out. say
1: this is just who this is who I am, and it's another part of myself. I mm. have more than one dimension. I'm an athlete. I work. Mm. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a girlfriend. I'm a I'm a sister. I'm a, all all those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and I'm a poet. I'm an artist. That's right. just another part of myself.
0: Okay, all right, because okay, because you know a lot of times some po- some poets you can see they have this conflict you know when they get on stage so i guess that's why i asked the question cuz some poets when they get on stage you can see they have this conflict this is who they wish they were you know okay. and then and then when they live their regular life that's why some people see contradictions in their lives because mm-hmm.
1: yeah i okay i know what you mean yeah i try to be not have those kind of contradictions okay. like i want to write about something that is not a bold-faced lie you mm. know i mean like a lot of my erotic stuff i mean obviously there's some edge of fantasy in there mm-hmm. but I don't just blatantly lie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, right? Yeah. Right. So to stay d- yeah, as n- close not a contradiction that way. Yeah. yeah okay. it, it, but of course, in, again, uh, keeping the the fantasy and that kind of thing in there. But I don't think I have a lot of that kind of contradiction. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's who it's who I am. I'm a poet every day. You're right. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's hard to turn off. It's yeah, hard to turn off.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, I I see that a lot when um, I, and some people see that as. I guess some people do see that as lying where I, I i don't see it as lying. I see it as somebody trying to they're expressing it's almost like to work something out yeah, they're trying to yeah. express who they wish they were, yeah, or they might feel inside if they this is something that I am inside, yeah. but I'm not on the outside.
1: Right? Yeah, you're you know? working through it, healing. Right, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Some people feel British on the inside, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But they a thug on the outside, mm-hmm, you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So they have. How, however,
1: I would say not everyone knows I do poetry. Uh-huh. So these different layers that I that I have, you know, being a coach and athlete, some some of those people don't know that I'm a That's poet. Right. Yeah, so they might see me somewhere like and be agent. like, "Right, <laughs> <laughs> what is right. she doing here?" Okay, yes. so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right.
0: So, so yeah, they come out and be like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I I bet. Yeah. Right, right. And and for them, I, I guess they was like, Oh, that's a well I guess for them that'd be seemed like for them that'd be a contradiction. Yeah. Am you I, know, and then but it's not a contradiction because this is just and that's interesting because you're just revealing another side of yourself.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Other than other than something that you wish to be. This is yeah. just something I am. Right. So, but it's not for everybody to know. Right, yes. Professional capacity. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, you got your professional voice, then you got your, right. exactly. your homegirl voice. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> got you. Um, yes. So um, let's get into another poem since we're well, we here at Coffee and here. Poets.
1: This is called Defiant Love. And this came from me seeing some stories and, and narratives um, about slavery and. And love and I've always thought about how difficult it must have been to love in the days of slavery mm. because it just wasn't something that was nurtured. So it's called defiant love. We love out of defiance. Lately, jump in the broom is all we get, and it's back to back breaking work from can't see in the morning to can't see at night. Singing spirituals to keep our minds distracted and inspired, we pick cotton, cook food for other families, and clean floors while being stepped on, and all we have is love. I have your glances. Heavy sweat above wrinkled brow, round eyes squinting in the amber sun, hand shadow on your forehead. You have my blown kiss, hand on hip, head rolling to crack my neck, longing for your hands to release the tension, and this is all we get. Love is not a welcomed emotion here. Desires, fires, passions, and dreams of escape are dangerous, so I'll meet you here every day and not say a word. Work side by side, accept accidental touches and flashes of teeth because this is all we are allowed. Even within these four walls, I can't fully love you like a woman and you can't fully love me like a man because we have been dehumanized And Animals Don't Love, Right? Insecurity plagues us because our families can be sold for trinkets in the blink of an eye without explanation, warning, or remorse, and we are still expected to make that cotton quota in the AM. So, attachment, love, is a liability. That glance, Incidental brush as we pass through the butler's pantry is what we depend on to balance our psyche So I will unconditionally love you after this unfair day of labor after making soul food out of scraps and sneaking directions into quilts I will happily rub your back because my hands heal your wounds raise your pride and stir inspiration in the face of oppression then And now This invisible bond is what keeps us standing when we feel broken love is all we have It's why we live and how we have survived It's
0: 2015 It is <clears throat> Where do you think we are when, it's, when it comes to Since we went deep with that poem Where do you think we are When it comes to Race relations And I w- I'm very interested to know What your, your take is When it comes to Where black people are In 2015
1: That's a deep question Lawrence
0: well, you went deep with the poem. I went deep with the question.
1: I think there's a lot of divide and conquer going on to keep um, black people from loving each other because we don't love ourselves. Mm. And then it's hard to love each other. Um, it's hard. It's a lot of bullshit going on out there. Mm. It's hard to be in a relationship. It's hard to find someone that, that that's your match, mm. your soulmate. Um, but like going back to this, I go back to thinking about how far we've come and how far. Um, how there was a time where love was not an option because there was so mm. much other stuff going on, it just reinstills in me and inspires me to, you know, keep keep the faith because mm-hmm. love is really all we have. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you, you are a, uh, a believer in love. Oh, yeah. Will save the day.
1: Hopefully. Kind of thing. <laughs> okay. All, theory. Right. All right, very good. <laughs> I believe very, in love, though, for sure. You believe yeah, believe in love. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. um, you know, I think with Martha the King, with the release of Selma, Selma, the mm-hmm. movie that just came out, so it was a lot of interest. And it's Martha the King coming up, Martha right. the King um, Day coming up, the March. And it just seems like we haven't progressed far enough, in my opinion. It seems like Martha the King, even though we're marching now, I think that a lot of stuff that Martha the King marched for is very relevant today.
1: Well, a lot of things he marched for did manifest, too, because, I mean, we can all go to school together. We don't... Have to drink out of separate water water fountains, and a lot of that stuff wasn't that long ago. Right, like the generation under us doesn't even really know about that kind of stuff. Right, Um, so I think in in a way we definitely have progressed because we do stuff right now without even thinking about it. You walk into a restaurant, you sit down. These kids go to school; they're on sports teams. They don't even know about the struggle and things that that was not an option not too long ago.
0: Yeah, even in the eighties. Right. Yeah.
1: Mm. In some places, probably in the south
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, even in the eighties it, it was a uh, it's a very
1: some of those people are still alive with those thoughts about how black people are and segregation and that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. they're still around, so we have progressed in a way, but lately it seems like we're going backwards. I
0: know, it's kind of a an interesting dichotomy in a way
1: mm-hmm. I agree
0: you have personal freedoms right. But not racial freedoms in a way. It's kind of interesting where it has went. So you, you're okay as an individual, but then again, you're not okay as an individual.
1: Not with the it's, police brutality going on.
0: So it's Eric Garner and, right. and things like that. Do you, write, do you sometimes write poems along social lines, social issue lines? Do you think that poetry can tackle those kind of big questions or nuanced questions?
1: Absolutely. Hmm. I mean we're still talking about the revolution when we televised and that was written how long ago? So yeah,
0: we still look up a revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we still quote quote poets and lines and stuff that are still relevant mm-hmm. or still we still feel attached to that come from poets and poetry. So yeah.
0: So do you think a revolution is coming or I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you don't feel it. Mm. No. Was, were you deep in the Occupy? Do you think anything about the Occupy movement? or? And even with the present day hands up. So what do you think about marching? Do you think that that could do anything to?
1: I don't march. Um, or I, I mean, I went to the marches and stuff when I was younger. But I think nowadays it's more of just something to do. Like, people are like, oh, you're going to the march? Like, just go oh, walk. Really? <laughs> oh, really? I don't it's know like if I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> no, but, yeah, okay. it, that's that's how it feels to me. Right. Um, and I'm not there, so I guess that's not fair for me to say. I don't know what happens. I don't know if there's a rally or you, that. I don't get the, the energy because I'm not there. But that just, it just seems like it was much deeper back then. And maybe it was deeper back then because it was more urgent. Mm. Um, but nowadays, it just seems um, not as deep. Mm. I don't know if it's as effective. You know, because it's like, well, we're gonna march, and then what? Are We gonna go back home? Mm. You know, I, I'm more interested. Got to in, work tomorrow. Right, right. So we gotta leave. You know, we gotta shut this down. Go to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. <laughs>
0: so oh, no. where? I mean, uh, granted that we quote poets that came before that were really, I would say, on the edge, like the the Black Arts Movement. They was on the. They were on the edge of. Poetry as a liberating force. Mm-hmm. Is there any poem? Is, is there any poem that you have that you wrote that you thought to yourself, "I think this might change something." Uh, do, is that even something that you aspire to as a poet?
1: Um, I don't know if if my poems will ever change anything or anybody. I almost write from a selfish place to get to to. Almost vomit the energy out of myself because mm. I, I need that to come out, like being pregnant with something. Mm. Um, and I've I've looked at some things that I've written and been like, oh, I had a lot inside. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if someone else walks around. I, I, I think if if you hear something from me, it will at least make you think about something in a different way or feel some kind of emotion. But I, n- I don't think my poem is like going to change the world or anything. So mostly but it's
0: about it's about. Are you trying? Oh, so it's more of a release than it is. Yes. Gotcha. Instead so of you changing. I have
1: to write. Mm. Or I almost feel like sick inside. Mm. I have to get some things out. Um, even like now, I have snippets of things in my head. And I know eventually I have to get out on paper. Right. It can't just stay inside. Right.
0: right. So.
1: All
0: right. I see that you have a poem. Is that ready to go?
1: Um, I, can, I can spit this. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay, it's called Truth. It's a lot of questions. And, it, and actually, the, this came to me like, um, I don't remember what I was watching. It might, might have been a combination of a few things I had, had seen over an amount of time. And I just had a lot of questions. And so this, that's kind of how this is written. So it's called Truth. Why was Osama your rebellious trainee, but you acted like you didn't know him when the shit hit the fan? Why do you think terrorists only wear turbans when you've seen the damage of Timothy McVeigh, Cho Sung Hee, Dylan Klebold, Eric Harris, and the Unabomber after he was the subject of CIA-sponsored psychological experiments at Harvard? Why do you get more time for crack than cocaine? Is it because crack is the poor man's drug and cocaine is the rich man's drug? Why do black men make up only 6% of America and over one-third of the prison population? Why why are black Americans nearly eight times more likely than white Americans to be HIV positive? Why does Charles Manson, the Menendez brothers, and Scott Peterson get more mail than your local congressman? Why didn't Casey Anthony just give her baby to her parents if she wanted to run the streets? When did murder become entertainment? When did we become desensitized to babies being murdered and pregnant women being kidnapped? Why did O.J. do it? Why did Mark Furman lie? Why did Johnny Cochran die? Why didn't Malcolm cancel his speech at the ballroom? When did the MLK holiday become just another day to catch up on errands? Why don't most people know blacks weren't even considered to be human beings at the signing of the Declaration of Independence and wonder why we could take or leave the 4th of July holiday? You wonder why I questioned religion, racism, and oppression when the first slave ship to arrive in America was named the Good Jesus? Can't you see today's hip-hop catchy beats and rhymes are programming you for so much self-hate, unrealistic expectations, and verbal abuse that it doesn't even register anymore? Because you just like the beat, right? What does it seem like when we had something to fight for, we stayed together forever like our great-grandparents? Why are more and more grandparents raising their children's children on Social Security? How can Publisher's Clearinghouse afford to give random people $5,000 a week for the rest of their lives when we have hungry, homeless, uneducated people right here? Why do the natives believe we came from star people? Egyptians build the pyramids to mimic Orion's belt and see lines and designs only visible from the sky in Nazca. How can you believe Roswell really didn't happen? Can you explain Area 51? Have you seen Bigfoot? Bigfoot. What happened to the giants that used to inhabit the earth? Numbers 1333. Why are UFOs testing, tagging, and releasing us? Oh, kind of like we do deer, dolphin, and other wildlife. Why is over 97% of our DNA the same as chimpanzees? Who says animals don't have feeling? Please stop animal testing. Who still believes white is white, straight is best, and male is dominant? Did Heaven's Gate ever meet up with that starship? Can you still hear the cries at, at, Can you still hear the baby's cries at Jonestown? Who in the hell told Warren Jeffs that raping children made him a prophet? Do you really believe LA.PD didn't plan to set Christopher's daughter's ass on fire with the same highly flammable tear gas used in Waco's disaster, the one they want you to forget about? How can we stop police brutality? What makes you think you can pacify us from your high-rise office space, get in touch and tell us the truth?
0: Mm-mm. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well. That was very interesting, thought-provoking questions um, that you raised there. As we already discussed, you have a wide range. Mm-hmm. A wide range. So uh, I'm gonna go in two two directions. I'm gonna first right. go here, and then I'm gonna go somewhere else. Spoken word poetry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When when did you start doing spoken word poetry? You wrote first. Right, mm-hmm. and then, what led you to go on to spoken word
1: um me and my friend Kelly, hey, Kelly, um we kind of had that journey together. We both performed at luna 's. We finally got up enough urge to get on the stage at luna 's and it was maybe. Like I said, over ten years ago, we had kind of been writing independently, and then we kind of met, and we kind of trusted each other to start sharing our stuff and It was kind of like, "Oh, we' dream one day to like actually be on stage, and we were just happy to just like get through one piece, and then who would know like ten, fifteen years later, we'd be featured poets like mm-hmm. all over so it 's a different experience to to perform than to write. Mm-hmm. So I like both though. Mm-hmm.
0: So how did you feel when you first featured?
1: My first feature, um, I think that was at um, what you call it, With the one that Flow had. I think Flo that Real. was when you started coming around at, uh, at the touch.
0: Oh, touch of class. Yeah, okay. I, it was
1: probably probably around over there. I was probably really nervous. I still get nervous. Nervous okay. right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nervous <laughs> you and me both.
1: Really, really nervous. But it was like a like a bug like a, it's like you couldn't couldn't go back yeah. to just being in the shell.
0: Yeah. Either you love it or hate it. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So it just worked on it, and got better and better, and until it just became you know more natural. So which more comfortable. one?
0: So which one came first? No pun intended. Um, erotic poetry or spoken word poetry. Spoken word. Uh, then you then you kind of so what segued you into erotic poetry.
1: Um, I started kind of toying with that, I don't know how many years ago, when I look mm. back at some of the early stuff I wrote, it's it's like, it's clear that it was like I wanted to say stuff, but I didn't quite give my per, myself permission mm. to really go there with what I was really trying to say, or judging myself, or thinking mm. how people would judge me, and so my earlier pieces are very, like, hit and miss, like, you know, you touch on something and back off, and touch it and back off, mm-hmm. and, um... I I felt like it was really honest to just talk about stuff that people just are too scared to talk about. Almost like the um, in-your-face factor. Like Mm -hmm. uh, like I've said in some of my pieces, I'll say the things that you're thinking about. And I think that's why people relate to it because... You was doing that probably last night. <laughs>
0: right, <hopefully. laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: you know, yeah. I, I think it's something that it, it gives other people permission. It liberates other people. It gives other people permission to mm. do things or, th- or say things or accept things about mm. themselves or their partner. And I've I've had many people tell me that hearing this piece of that piece, you know got them to thinking about other things or mm. saving a relationship or thanking me. So I, I think probably my erotica stuff is probably, I've heard the feedback that that's probably more powerful than the other things mm. that I've done.
0: Hearing you talk about your erotic poetry, it seemed as though it's a different mindset that you, that you seem like you go into the piece with than with the other stuff that you write? Because the other that, stuff is more of a release, right? And then the erotic yeah. poetry, what, what would you call that?
1: Courageous. <laughs> you, have, you have to be courageous and brave enough to put things on paper and say out loud mm. that um, those people so do don't want to talk about.
0: Do you think being a woman is part of that? Or do you think that might be connected to... When I go to erotic poetry readings... Mm-hmm. it seems like there are more men doing erotic poetry and then there is more women in the audience right they like to they like to hear it mm-hmm. um and it's not it's not too many women that go up there and challenge themselves to write an erotic piece
1: and there's a challenge to being good mm. not just you know yelling keywords mm. that I've talked about in pieces too like you can't just get up there and say pussy dick blah 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 blah. that's that's not hot that's not going to make anybody want to look in their phone and make a phone call or something that it has to be a seduction you know a seduction of words and um, it's just got to be smoother than that and Mm. I've uh, some people think erotica is just more harsh than that that may be their personal style but that's that's not what I do that's not how I prefer to attack it
0: Mm. Well, I guess erotic poetry, in a way, is to evoke a response in in the listener.
1: Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Okay. I'd, and I'd say it's liberating. Mm. It's it's you know it's one of those things people don't want to talk about. They're scared to talk about. It's taboo. It's a, yeah, it's taboo, and it's almost like just giving them permission to feel whatever they feel and say whatever they want to say. Because I think it's healing. Mm. In what way? If you can, if you if you're struggling with something about yourself, like something you're feeling, and then you hear a poet or somebody up there and say exactly what you were thinking, mm. I think it's validating. Mm. And I've ha- gotten that response from people, and I think that that's powerful.
0: So, did you hear a poem that was erotic that made you feel that way? And that's how. Is there a poem out there that was like, wow, I love the way that poet?
1: Mm, I can't think of anything off the top. I think. Um, my erotica just kind of came together through a collaboration with Kelly because we mm. did a lot of things together, um, just talking about things and kind of writing on our own, um, and just evolved on its own, trial and error okay. on its own.
0: So, do you have an erotic piece that you can read for us today?
1: I do. I have um, one where, as you said, that you didn't see a lot of women erotic poet- poets. Um, this is a two part piece that me and Kelly wrote. Um, just talking about how long we've been doing erotic poetry and when we first started there really weren't any erotic poets so we we kind of wrote a poem to address that and then I could probably finish with the art of pleasing which I would say is one of my more uh, popular pieces Mm -hmm. so um, I'll start with I do this and you haven't heard next week right
0: have her? No. Kelly? I don't
1: think so. Oh, well, when you have her, you, she could read you her other part to this. Okay. Oh, so yeah. it's a two part piece. Okay. I do this. I help blaze this literary trail and free you of your inhibitions and judgments so you could masturbate and procreate without guilt. We were doing this before it was popular. Before sweet spots and erotic slams, before you could properly identify your own G spot, we were here and there, popping cherries three and four times a week. I gave you the push to unlock the door where grown, safe, and mature sexual expression awaits. Now you're free to say these dirty words out loud, on the mic, and in his ear with confidence. I can't help but make seduction look easy. I blur the lines of fantasy and reality while piquing your curiosity with the proper placement of participles, statements, and suggestions, expressions, and lexicon. You see, erotica is not about yelling keywords like fuck me, suck my dick, or make me come. Anybody can say that shit. Hell, most people can make a dick hard or a pussy wet with minimal effort, but can you fuck my brain before you fuck my brains out? Can you make me shift? slightly open my legs, blush in embarrassment, and slip you my number after. Make me a believer. Make me want to revive an old romance. If you say you eat pussy the way you claim in your your piece, then the phrase eat pussy should sound familiar, not like it's the first time it came across your lips. Can you convince me you're the expert and I'm the one in need of lessons? I can. I can make you question your preferences Push your boundaries and try something new. Have you hoping this will hurt just a little bit? I can make you surrender those hands for cuffs without even realizing it. I can make you hover between I can't take it and give me more. I got you salivating on that next word to slip from my lips, and that next word might be something raunchy like pussy, but I can say it in a way that makes you lean forward, shush your neighbor, and ignore your phone. I have this way of commanding your full attention, and your body has no choice but to fall in line. My words penetrate the dark places you thought I had no access to, and I do this without lifting one finger.
0: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. That was interesting. So, yes, yes, shifting your seat just slightly. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. Not much. (laughs) I, I I sense in you when it comes to erotic poetry that that's an interesting shift for you, i think, and you know that because you said that we talked about this already, but your other por- your other poetry is about release because you feel like you're about to explode mm-hmm. like, I just have to write and then but erotic poetry comes from a different place, it mm-hmm. comes almost from you know a place of you say almost like you want to help other people. You're like, I want to liberate you. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. I want to express the taboo so right. that you see that let's, it's let's all just right. Let's talk
1: about it and heal each other. <laughs> <laughs> <and love. laughs> Sexual healing. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I'll be. Okay. So you have two different, two different um, I guess, perspectives or. It's almost approaches. like more
1: ego involved with, with erotica. It's like, you think so? Yeah, because it's, it's, it is a totally different personality, but it's almost like I'm daring you to go there. I'm daring you to think about things in a different way. I'm daring you to look in your phone and think about somebody you might want to call. And, mm-hmm. and, and the key is to do it with words. I'm not up here with my clothes off. I'm not... Um, You know, doing anything. There's a fine line between raunchy and being sexy Mm. and being seductive. And you know, like I said in the piece, it's not just about saying a whole bunch of the 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 key words because that's not sexy. Mm. You got to be able to say it in the in the right way and the right phrase to that Mm. leaves them wanting more. And it's just with words. And that's that that's a fine line to walk. It's talent
0: so do you do you do you get a lot of women that approach you and say that it was liberating for them? Yeah, I
1: have No, I wouldn't say a lot, but I, I have yeah
0: okay so trying to get into the female psyche what What is it about sexuality that for women that is makes it taboo to talk about those things what do you? I think, think from a be?
1: young age, we get messages that sex is not supposed to be good for us, it's supposed to be good for the man, you know we're just. Almost like just part of the equation, but it 's not something that we own, or that you know we could say, "I want it this way, I want th- I, you know those those kinds of things mm-hmm. are not talked about in the open i don 't think women receive those kinds of messages because then you get the message that you 're a hoe mm-hmm. if you um, want to sleep with more than one man or if you have mm-hmm. different preferences, you know you just get different messages about that, and it 's not fair so I, I hope that someone would hear this. And you know, vibe, yes, something in there that, that they can relate to mm-hmm. to help them feel that is better. It's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, to want some. <laughs> it's all right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's okay. It's all right. It doesn't make you a bad person. Mm. All right, the art of pleasing is a little more explicit, but it, again, I would say it's one of more my more um, popular ones. The art of pleasing. The art of pleasing means you come first, second, and third. (laughs) I get embarrassed sometimes being my own stuff. Okay. (laughs) The art of pleasing means you come first, second, and third. Please allow me to suck your dick and gently brush the tip across my lips. Slightly salivating, impatiently waiting for you to thrust and rendezvous with my throat. Not quite choke, but taking it all like the hungry lady I am. Juices everywhere. See, I'm going to give you head until you forgive everything I ever did wrong. I want to straddle your thighs and ride recklessly, bump and grind until my pussy's sore, groin pulled, throat parched, and back broke. Yes. It's a fuck-on-your-back kind of night, full of nasty phrases and apologetic disclaimers about how you don't normally do this shit, but tonight you feel a little freaky with me. We're gonna get each other off at the same time with your tongue between this nipple ring, watching the other one rise in a jealous fit of arousal. Then I'ma sit back and watch. Yeah i watch you get off and explode like no one else is privy to. So we can sit or stand, suck on my fingers and toes, pull on these locks and grab them vibrators and dildos. You will climax quickly, but when you do, don't apologize. It's all for you. And it's my pleasure.
0: Alright.
1: <laughs> See, I do get embarrassed every once
0: That's in a while. All right. That's alright. i alright. <laughs> break up my fan. Um, <laughs> I see that you have a book.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What is the difference of writing for the stage and then writing for the page? What is the difference in between those two?
1: Um, My book is called Poems from the Girl Next Door, Imaginations, Illusions, and Images. And I think when I wrote that, uh, I was writing just to say I had a book. Like I, I just wanted I wanted a book mm. as of as if it validated me. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I got yeah, a book. That, um mm-hmm. yeah. And and I think the stuff is is okay in there, but it's it's different for me because I'm not so there how anymore. Ago,
0: how long ago did you write the book?
1: It's been years. Mm. Seven, eight years or so? Okay. Maybe. So you Five think seven you're in a different years? place now? Yeah, I'm in a very different place than when I wrote this. Uh yeah, this was in oh mm-hmm. seven. Um and i think it came from a selfish place to to vomit stuff that mm-hmm. was inside and I thought it would be cool to just like you know write a book, but I still felt censored in what I could say and what I could write. So, so
0: is this before your erotic phase? Or? There's
1: some erotic in there, but it was still watered down. It okay. was still like the art of pleasing I just wrote is not the art of pleasing in here. Okay, it's it's
0: oh, so the art of pleasing is in there. Yeah, but, but it, it don't sound like that. It's revised. <laughs> you have a new. It was like board.
1: the the first put your toe in kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still nervous to put these words on paper. One of my parents so. gonna think and you know a lot of judgment I I was feeling
0: let's go okay so do you feel like it's okay to revise something that you already published
1: yeah because it's mine okay (laughs) (laughs) don't feel that way anymore and change it up
0: yeah for me I, I feel totally different it's like once it's published I'm done with it so it's kind of a weird kind of thing for me. It's I have like,
1: stuff in here that's a different version okay. than yeah. All right, very it's, cool. It's revised. I I, right. I think I toyed with that a little bit, but I was like, it's my stuff.
0: I think my I had had the same idea too as well. Like you never change it never stops stops growing. You know, yeah, and like that developing. that
1: truth one I read, it, it just continues to go on mm-hmm. as I hear stuff and stuff comes up, it'll probably be like almost a never ending there's always questions. Mm-hmm. So they're just I just continue to add and add to it. Okay. All right. Um but yeah, this is I would say a watered down version of my thoughts because okay. it was like, well, just get it out there and see how this goes, and um, and I don't even push it or anything, just because I'm not very good at pushing myself and my, mm. and my stuff. Like I'm, I'm glad it's there. I've I've had people say that it was helped them and, and mm. they really really liked it. But if I do an, another book, it would just be very different. Like, so do you I have anything so. planned
0: for the future? I mean, book or otherwise?
1: I. I have enough material for another book. Um, mm-hmm. I like short stories. I have a lot of short stories I've been thinking of and okay. stuff I need to get out of my head and onto paper, which mm-hmm. takes a lot of work. Um, but my next book wouldn't be so censored. Put out what I want to put out and tell people either read it or don't read it. Because mm-hmm. so, I, I like to write with not a lot of fluff. I think the word is parsimonious. Where you put the, the the heaviest amount in the shortest amount of space. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have one heavy line than four fluff lines. And you know, mm-hmm. like I don't I don't do that no anymore. i just get straight. Yeah, get straight to mm-hmm. the to the point. So if you you mess around and miss a couple of verses, you probably miss something.
0: What's your thought between um, long poems and short poems? Do you have any? Do you have short poems? Do you like to write short poems? Oh, yeah, I
1: think my short poems are really good. Okay. Um, But it took me a while to get to that point, too, because I had an idea of what I thought poetry looked like. You know, Mm. it was exactly three quarters of a page or half a page and had this many lines. Uh And so when I would just have one line, like a line people like is love can set you free or hold your ass hostage, I was done. Inside, I was done, but right. I was thinking.
0: That's not a, long enough.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm, it's, gotta, it's gotta be more. Right. Nope, that's it. So right. I have a whole section in there with just like two liners, five liners mm-hmm. that are just really short, and I had to be okay with that. That's a complete thought. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, my, my short stuff is real sassy. Oh, real sassy? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well you have to be sassy. <laughs> yeah, One liners. So, right, right. Yeah. So where do you think poetry is going today as you see it now in Sacramento?
1: I think it's getting a lot of exposure. I think when I first started doing stuff, there was only a couple places you could go to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were hitting them up. It was, you know, bam, bam, this this place on Tuesday, this place on Thursday, this place on Saturday, and maybe a little something or whatever on Friday. But I think there's all kinds of poetry stuff now, young mm-hmm. people's poetry and the, the regular spots. And um, I think it, the, it's getting a lot of exposure. I think it's in a good place.
0: So what, what would you tell a, a young female poet that's, coming up where you were maybe like 10 years ago, but you see them at the poetry spot. You see that they're making in, you know, inroads into where you have already been. Where would you tell a young female poet now?
1: I would say be brave and tell it like it is.
0: So is there a poem you'd like to end on today?
1: I have a short, kind of questionable one called Incantations. You make it hard to be faithful. Your seductive ways sing to my subconscious and voodoo-like chants, conjuring up excuses as to why I won't make it home one time tonight. Oh. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave that alone. too hot to handle. Okay, so
0: we have been with April Cochran, the girl next door. So where can people find out about you? Do you have any kind of... Website. I don't. Tumblr. No. Pinterest.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I, my book is available on Amazon. Oh, poems okay. from the Girl Next Door, okay. Imaginations, Illusions, and Images. Um, I go. I frequent the regular spots. You know, okay. Mahogany. Um, when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm around a lot of the community events. Okay.
0: Great, Not great.
1: one particular place, like on a certain day, a certain time. I'm I'm around at regular stuff though.
0: Okay. So catch you around town. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have been with April Cochran, the girl next door, and this is Coffee and Poets. We meet here every third Wednesday. We have very we have in depth conversations with local poets, and every third Sunday at five o'clock, right here at Nicket Lounge. Thank you Thank for listening.
1: You.